Hello everybody, Adrian here from the Gaming Observer, and welcome back to your daily news update, Friday, November the 6th. Uh, we're closing out your week here with a strong day of news, lots of financials to talk about. But first, the reviews are now out for Microsoft's Xbox Series X and S, and with the help of GI.biz, here's a summary of the reviews. So overall, the critical reception of the consoles have been largely positive, I would say. Microsoft does deliver on their main selling points of the consoles, which is improved loading times, onboarding from the Xbox One, and graphical updates. However, because of this, reviewers also felt like there was something lacking from the release. And here's a quote from The Guardian, quote, Despite the value of the Series S and the performance of the Series X, these new Xbox models are rather uninspiring. They feel more like upgrades than revolutionary new options. Because the Windows-like interface is almost exactly the same and the controller is only marginally different, it doesn't really feel as if you're playing with a new and exciting console. But equally, there's not much to criticize. They do everything they promise to do, and they do it well." End quote. And I think that's a pretty good summary of how everybody was feeling about it. Uh, one big negative that was pretty consistent was the lack of a new flagship game that they could test this equipment on, a la Halo Infinite. So many of them were playing, you know, cataloged or Game Pass games in order to generate their thoughts. And the only other thing was that for the Series S, which is the smaller console, it was praised for its cheap price and how small it is. But unfortunately, it only does give you 360 gigabytes of storage out of box. Games are getting bigger and bigger, and this combined with the kind of lower max resolution means that you're really gonna have to figure out what is most important to you with your gaming. What I will say in terms of resolution is the Series X is really designed for 4K, so if you don't have 4K, you might be better off with the S. But definitely do some more research into that. Okay, so Nintendo reported on its second quarter or first half financials, and the results are honestly staggering. So their first half brought in $7.4 billion in revenue, and that's up 73% year over year. Huge increase. Uh, they also tripled their profits. And it's interesting, they didn't really attribute this growth to anything specific, but that's probably because they have so many things that are performing extremely well. The uh, Nintendo Switch itself moved nearly 7 million units in just the second quarter, and that brings the overall total to 68 million units shipped. It's getting up there. Animal Crossing has shipped 26 million units since it launched six months ago, and that makes it the second best-selling Switch game of all time. Folks, 26 million units in six months is insane. Uh, just to compare, Mario Kart 8 is the best-selling game on the Switch, that has sold 29 million units to date, and that's a game that's been out for over three years and has sold consistently well ever since. So Animal Crossing is on track to being number one. And anyway, besides that, Super Mario 3D All-Stars shipped 5 million units in just two weeks. So all of this to say, everything they're doing is performing quite well. Hopefully they can keep that momentum going. Electronic Arts also had their first quarter financial report, and so the games that they released in that time frame is Madden, UFC 4, Rocket Arena, and Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, those titles generally performed at or above their expectations, besides probably Rocket Arena, I would assume. They've been making some changes with that game. Uh, outside of those titles, though, obviously they have a lot of games that are kind of ethereal, stick around for a long time. And case in point, Apex Legends is on track to become a $1 billion franchise by the end of the fiscal year. So that game is performing extremely well for them. They also have their subscription service, EA Play. That has now grown to 6.5 million subscribers, which grew significantly now that they're available on Steam. And that's going to grow even more once they're incorporated into the Xbox Game Pass, which should be coming soon. 
Uh, for comparison, just so you know, the latest metric that we have for the Game Pass is 15 million subscribers. So that's close to half that EA Play is doing, which I think is surprisingly well. Honestly, I, expe I expected worse. Okay, and our final little update here. I'm not going to go into Take-Two's financials because they're not that interesting. Uh, Kerbal Space Program 2 has been delayed once again. So now the game is slated for a 2022 release after having multiple previous delays and a developer change for that matter. I won't read the full quote here, but basically the creative director has said, hey, this is a very technical game. There's a lot of things that go into this and we want to do it right. And that makes sense because the first Kerbal Space Program, highly ambitious and highly technical, and they have a very strong, strong community. So it sounds like the developers are kind of putting their resources into the right places, making sure people actually enjoy this game, hopefully, and it can stick around for a long time. And it'll be top quality. So there you have it, folks. That's the news for the week. I am hopefully going to be back this weekend with some more shows, but my homework is killing me, so I'll, I will do my best, I promise. And then, of course, as always, back with the news on Monday. So until next time, happy gaming, everyone. Hello, hello, TGO After Show. Welcome back. Uh, yes, life is chaotic right now, just so you know. In fact, it's quite a miracle that I even made this show today, to be honest. Uh, in part, the reason for that is because Shelby and I just appeared on another podcast. There's this wonderful lady by the name of Carrie Roberts. I met her at that conference that I went to in January. And she basically does this series, which is kind of like, uh, you know, how, how Harry met Sally. She talks to couples and talks to them about how they met and how to have a healthy relationship and, you know, fun stories and advice and things like that. So Shelby and I were on there and we talked about all of those things, essentially. So if that's a, if that is an insight that you would like to have, you know, what our relationship is like and whatnot, uh, I did a, I, I retweeted it on, on Twitter. So if you go to twitter.com slash gaming underscore observer, you should see it there. It's a, it's, it's an hour long podcast and you get to hear more from Shelby as well. I know, I know a lot of you like to hear from her. So anyway, that was, uh, that was pretty late at night and I had not yet writ the observer, wrote the observer, written the observer. So we finished that up, and then I, I wrote The Observer, and here we are. I'm also writing an essay over the next two weeks about the 9-11 conspiracies, because I'm in this history of espionage class, talking about spies and all that stuff. I was telling you about that before. James Bond, you know, all the fun stuff. And uh, one of those things is talking about intelligence agencies, and, you know, things happening in the shadows. And part of that is the conspiracy theories about 9-11. So my job in this essay is going to be taking those conspiracies to task. Whether or not I believe them is not really the point. I'm not really supposed to come to any kind of conclusion to them. It's more about, hey, let's take this analytical process of writing an essay. And if somebody's making a statement that there is a conspiracy, let's, like I said, take that to task. Give it some proper research and analysis and evaluate it. So that's what I'm I'm working on. I'm, I'm reading... Uh, I actually just read a book, pretty much the whole book, honestly, from a major 9-11 conspiracist. It was it was an interesting read. I was honestly a little bit let down. Just, just to be clear, I am not a conspiracist myself. And so when I was going to enter this world, which I've dipped my foot into before because my father is a huge conspiracy theorist. He's all about 9-11 and unfortunately COVID, so I've kind of distanced myself from that. But anyway, I, I've I've toyed with this before. But I was really, really hoping that this book was going to be super well written, you know? I wanted it to be professional, proper analysis, because, you know, the stereotype when it comes to these conspiracies is that, oh, they're nutters, right? They're, 
They're crazies. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to just blanket label everybody, because that's unfair. That's not the point of, of an exercise like this. But unfortunately, the book was not extremely well written. Uh, it was presented as a series of gotchas, essentially. I wasn't, I wasn't super happy with it, but hey, what can you do? We're going to give it our best shot. Uh, I talked about that way too long. This is, this is a video games podcast. Are there any video games about 9-11? That's an interesting one. Video games about 9-11. I'm Googling it. Oh yeah, I guess the Twin Towers would be a pretty prominent thing in some games prior to 2001. Yeah, I don't know. That's probably, it doesn't look like there's anything major here. It's probably not the most interesting uh, backdrop for a video game. Anyway, my friends, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. I'm doing my best to do so over here and uh, sending lots of love, okay? Until next time, farewell. <laughs>